So this January, what we're doing, we're exploring what it means to live on mission, uh, to live as those who are called and commissioned to make disciples of others. And in that vein, we're, we're looking at a few passages in the Gospels to better understand what it means to be people who live on mission. So in the, the passage we're exploring this morning, the, the passage that was just read, we're going to be invited to, to learn a bit how Jesus lived as a missionary, how he was present with those in need, those who are struggling, those who are weighed down by sin, those who are alone and alienated from God and from others. And from the life of Jesus, what we're going to learn is that missionaries provide a form of medicine to help others heal and grow towards wholeness. And so the title of the message this morning will be Missionary Medicine. And the big idea will be straightforward and simple. Those who practice missionary medicine invite those who are sick, those who struggle with sin, to heal. Now the big question will be for us this morning, the big question will be how? How do those who practice missionary medicine, people like you and I, invite those who are sick to heal? So as we begin to explore that, that question, I'll, I actually want to give you a little peek into to my soul, uh, particularly how I, I prepare for sermons. Now, I, I certainly will... Um, soak in a text over and over again. Look up words, read different translations, use biblical commentaries to, to better understand what is going on in a passage. But, but something else I try to do from time to time is immerse myself in some sort of story that connects to the text or the trajectory of the sermon. In giving us the Bible, God has not simply given us a list of of propositional truths like a math textbook or a bunch of facts like a history book. He has given us stories. And stories tell us not only what happened, but they also show us something. They show us how to live. They show us what is good. They show us what is beautiful and what is true. So it may not be a surprise to you that in engaging stories, I love movies. After all, Pastor Chris outed me a few weeks ago saying how much I love the movie Pete Dragon. Pete's Dragon. So the movie I got drawn into this past week was one of the classics that highlighted the gifts and talents of the late Robin Williams. It's the movie Patch Adams. And if you've seen that movie, you know it's based on a true story of a, of a man longing to practice medicine who is confronting a medical establishment that can deliver cares in ways that are cold and calculated. Rather than caring for people, the, the passion, the focus is to prevent death and stop disease. Patch, more than stopping death and preventing the advancement of disease, wants people to laugh and to be touched, to be seen and heard and valued. To, to this end, 
In a lifeless room where children are being treated for cancer, he wears a bedpan on his head. He puts a rectal enema syringe on his nose to, to make him look like a clown. He befriends and sings to a, a bitter and enraged man dying of pancreatic cancer. He helps a depressed elderly woman who won't eat dive into a swimming pool full of cooked noodles. More than treat disease, he wants people to experience what it means to truly live. As we consider the how of what it means to invite others to heal, there is something this passage will highlight that's on display in that movie. We don't want others to simply be prevented from sinning. We want others to flourish as they experience healing and wholeness. This is our task as we learn what it means to embrace missionary medicine. So if you have a Bible, open it up to the passage read earlier, Matthew chapter 9, verses 10 through 17. We're going to explore characteristics of how Jesus relates to sinners. These will be characteristics that we will want to replicate to practice missionary medicine. So let's get to the first one, closeness. In verse 10, we read, While he was reclining at the table in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came to eat with Jesus and his disciples. So, so Jesus and his disciples, they are drawing close to people who were alienated from God and alienated from God's people. That, that, that language, tax collectors and, and sinners, it was meant to highlight how Jesus was not associating with royalty or nobility. He was not associating with people perceived positively in the community. This is not even a, a group of celebrities like the Kardashians or the real housewives of New York or Orange County or Los Angeles. Jesus was associating with the lowest of the low. Tax collectors were known for stealing from people and more, betraying God's people. They worked for the Romans. They, they, they bowed down not to God, but to, but to Caesar. Sinners in a culture that placed a high view on morality, these were people known for their immorality. They, they were viewed as dirty and defiled, so dirty and defiled they could not show their face at the place where people worshipped. Jesus and his disciples, they were getting close to such people to help them heal. He offered his presence. To help others heal, one of the greatest gifts we can offer is the power of presence. Having people into our homes sharing a cup of coffee, going out to dinner, or going to a party. When you get close to someone, when you offer your presence, it, it, it helps people soothe and they experience calm and it disarms others. It opens up opportunities to, to talk about the sickness of sin, the suffering we all experience because of the effects of sin, it opens up opportunities to talk about belief in God, longing for rescue and redemption and the good news of the gospel. Those who practice missionary medicine will get close to those 
that are viewed as dirty and defiled. Those people, as Ryan said earlier. But let's be honest. Getting close, it can create all sorts of internal conflict and tension, and conflict and tension with others. Jesus reclined at the the table with tax collectors and sinners. But, But it wasn't lounging around with them that caught the attention of the Pharisees. In verse 11, we we read, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? There was something about the closeness of eating that was offensive. New New Testament scholar Scott Barchi says this, it would be difficult to overestimate the importance of table fellowship for the cultures of the Mediterranean basin. This is where this, where this story is taking place. In the first century of our era, mealtimes were far more than occasions for individuals to consume nourishment. Being welcomed at the table for the purpose of eating food with another per, per person had become a ceremony richly symbolic of friendship, intimacy, and unity. So, so the belief was in getting close to those people, to those sinners, in eating with them, you were embracing a level of intimacy, of friendship, of unity, where you might become contaminated yourself. You might become dirty and defiled, not because you were sinning, but because you were close to sinners. Now, many of us probably think such a belief like that is ridiculous eating with sinners, getting so close that we, we become contaminated ourselves. But, but there is a form of this belief that is alive and well today. Some, maybe even yourself, affirm looking into the eyes of a sinner, hearing their stories, touching the skin of someone scandalous with a friendly hug, having someone who struggles with substances or sexual sin into your home, that could contaminate you. Or worse, could contaminate your children. Jesus was not afraid of getting too close to sinners. In him reclining at the table, in eating a meal, God is demonstrating he does not remain remote and removed. Jesus sees sinners He sees those who are sick with sin. He hears their stories, stories of surrender and stories of swindling, their dreams, their struggles. He doesn't shut them out. He smells the scent of their liquor, their struggles with sexual sin, their awful breath, and he doesn't shut them out. He touches those who should not be touched He tastes and eats the food made in their homes with their hands that are not holy, but hands that are tainted by sin. As you look at the life of Christ, how he lived as a missionary, what it means for you to practice missionary medicine, you must ask the question, am I willing to get close to sinners? Am I willing to be present with those who are often viewed by the religious as dirty and defiled, to be perceived as having friendships and being united with those outside the church. Now some, it's not getting close that bothers you. You don't believe that sinners make you dirty. 
I mean, you've got a good gospel-centered lens. But, but there is a reason you would second-guess getting close because of how you might be perceived by others. What will people think if I'm eating lunch with that coworker? How will it disrupt my life if I have those neighbors or those parents over to dinner? How will my church family respond if I invite someone who struggles with substances or who embraces something other than biblical sexuality? or who uses language uncharacteristic of a Christian? What will people think if I invite them to our church? We can allow others' perceptions to paralyze us. Fear of how you will be perceived in the Christian community can prevent us from getting close to those outside the church. And that is sad, and that is a shame. I don't know if you've ever talked to to people who say they can't enter the doors of a church because their presence would cause it to burn down. Or they feel really uncomfortable being around Christians because they might be cast out, not welcomed in, not treated as a human being. There's something about that that should grieve us because the safest place for sinners, to be known as sinners, to be seen as sinners, should be in a gathering of Christians. Because Christians understand how God came close to us when we were running and rejecting him. In the incarnation, what we celebrated at Christmas, we remembered how God came near. One of the big themes in the Gospel of Matthew is how in the form of Christ, God came to dwell with us, Emmanuel, God with us. God didn't remain distant from tax collectors and sinners. Those who are scandalous, those who are filled with shame, those who slander, those with sexual sin, God got close. And in getting close, those who practice missionary medicine invite those who are sick with sin to heal. So the first characteristic of those who practice missionary medicine is closeness. The second is compassion. When the Pharisees ask the question, why does your your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? They are demonstrating a, a disposition that is all too common in the medical field and sadly, all too common in our culture. As Ryan highlighted earlier, our, our, our culture likes to highlight those people. Now, Christians can be the recipients of, of such labels, anti-choice, anti-science, anti-woman, Christian nationalist. We can be hurt by those labels, but but we can be guilty of applying labels too. Pro-abortion, liberal Democrat, righteous Republican, progressive, anti-children, anti-Christian. Maybe we use more vile categories. She's a slut. He's a player. He's about toxic masculinity. She's a feminist. He's trans. She's bi. In using these labels, we distance ourselves from others, and it removes the burden to get to know those who we may disagree with and be disgusted with. Lutheran pastor Harold Sinkbile, in his book, The, The Care of Souls, writes about the importance of getting to know individuals struggling with sin. No two individuals are alike. And I'm not, I'm not talking about the obvious here. 
Not only does each person have a different body and personality, but he or she has had a raft of unique experiences that comprise their identity. Longevity in the care of souls is ideal. The more time I have invested in getting to know a person, the more accurately I can discern what's going on with them spiritually, and the more precisely I'm able to address their ailments in a way that they find helpful. Clearly, I need to speak their language, not just linguistically, but emotionally. I need to get inside their skin as much as possible so as to understand them. In demonstrating compassion, those who practice missionary medicine, they see people as individuals. We don't treat people according to their label. We get to know their stories. Understanding their past hurt helps explain, not excuse, but it helps explain why they make some of the decisions they do. Understanding their story may help explain why they reject being female, why they have a hard time trusting others or trusting the church, why they want to numb their pain with alcohol or with cutting, why they are so passionate about being for abortion, or why they swear like a sailor. Labeling people keeps them at a distance, and it prevents us from seeing the source of what people are struggling with. When the Pharisees ask the question, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners, Jesus overhears. And here's how he responds. I have the English Standard Version. Now, when he heard this, he said, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. See, Jesus sees how tax collectors and sinners are hurting. He sees the true need of tax collectors and sinners, those who are distant from God, those who are known as dirty and defiled, and he wants to do something about their need. He's not cold. He doesn't simply diagnose them and tell them what they're doing wrong. There is a burden, Jesus demonstrates here, for people to heal and to experience life. And as he does this, he's reframing sickness as more than something that is a physical or mental illness. Sickness is spiritual. People need to, to be cared for and cured of spiritual sickness. So beyond this passage, compassion is a significant characteristic of Jesus' overall ministry. If we jump ahead a few verses of what was read this morning, we read this. Jesus can, can, continued going around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the gospel, and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. See, that word compassion, the original Greek word, it, it carries with it not just seeing someone's struggles, but to be moved in our bowels. Jesus' gut aches for those he is interacting with. So, so compassion is not just an intellectual exercise. Compassion involves our body. We are moved at the core of our being. Our bodies are burdened for people to experience healing and wholeness. So there is a connection between having compassion and grieving over how people are spiritually sick, 
how they are diseased, how they are distressed and dejected. Those who practice missionary medicine, they aren't satisfied with people being happy. If you do not grieve the life of a sinner, if you do not understand their desperation, something's off in your approach. Sin is destructive. Sin should grieve us. If you know someone who is living in sin or in a sinful relationship, you want to get close and you want to demonstrate compassion and that means you grieve how they are sick, how they have formed relationships, how they have embraced sin. You don't celebrate that. You shouldn't be fine with that. You shouldn't turn a blind eye towards that. Compassion causes our bodies to ache, to grieve. In demonstrating compassion, those who practice missionary medicine invite those who are sick to heal. Are you compassionate towards people who are sick with sin? Are you moved to the core at how they are sick and dejected and distressed? Now, I realize in encouraging us to practice principles of missionary medicine, to get close, to have compassion, I do understand there are complexities to that dynamic beyond the scope of this sermon. Relating to to sinners in this way generally does not mean relating the same to someone who sinned against me, who hurt and harmed me deeply. That's a different sermon. But, But one of the reasons we don't get close to sinners or have compassion brings us to the third characteristic of those who practice missionary medicine. Our view of the cure. When someone is sick with a, with a physical illness or a mental illness, there, there are a couple different approaches a healthcare provider can take. There is the approach that largely deals with addressing symptoms. Let's say I've injured my shoulder or, or I have elevated blood sugar because of diabetes or because of depression, I have a, a, a certain, um, I, have, I have a lack of certain hormones or too much of another kind. This approach provides medication or treatment to eliminate the symptoms, but it does not so much treat the source of the problem. It doesn't repair the shoulder muscles or address the root causes of diabetes or do anything about the source of depression. One approach is to treat symptoms. The other is to treat the source of the problem, to reverse the root causes, to bring in new tissue, to heal a dysfunctional pancreas, to address the pain and chemical imbalances causing someone to struggle with sadness. So one approach to treating the sickness of sin is to treat symptoms rather than treat the source. We simply want people to stop acting like they are sick. Stop struggling with substances. Make the right decisions. Pray. Read your Bible. Do the right thing. Quit being stupid. This is how some Christians tend to approach those who struggle with sin. They miss what causes the problem. And as a result, they do not point people to the ultimate source of healing and wholeness. Then John's disciples came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests be sad while the groom is with them? 
The time will come when the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one patches an old garment with unshrunk cloth because the patch pulls away from the garment and makes the tear worse. So the, so the gospel writer here is drawing our attention to, to a point of conflict, how Jesus' disciples do not pat, fast. Now let me say, fasting isn't bad. As a, as a church, many of us embrace the, the practice or, or the challenge of, of fasting during an upcoming season like Lent. Fasting is an expression of longing and anticipation and future redemption. When Matthew highlights how Jesus responds to, to this tension that his disciples don't fast, he, he doesn't dismiss the goodness of fasting. But he, but he says his disciples don't need to fast. Jesus is saying that the one you're fasting for, this coming redemption that God's people are anticipating, it's here. What you're longing for is here. Jesus is bringing rescue and liberation. Jesus is not here to address symptoms. He's here to address the source. Jesus is saying, you may think following religious rules is the way to heal, but that is not the medicine I'm prescribing. The medicine I came to offer is something entirely new because you don't just need a repair of what is old. It's not about you making sacrifices. You need a renovation a revolution of the heart. The old needs to be replaced with something entirely new. And rather than cure, being about following particular rules, it's about being rescued and redeemed. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the skins burst, the wine spills out, and the skins are ruined. No, they put new wine into fresh wineskins, and both are preserved. The cure for spiritual sickness, Christ is teaching his students about that cure. And that ultimate cure is him. Christ is the cure we need. He is the new wine. I think many of you know there is a young girl in our church. Pastor Chris and I visited this past week. She is desperately sick. Although like many of us, she doesn't know how sick she is. Her bone marrow is corrupt. See, like when something like this is the source of sickness, her healing will not come through habits like eating the right foods, exercising daily, or having a good sleep routine. Those, those will not heal her. Only receiving new bone marrow. Only that will bring healing and wholeness. Only removing what is corrupt and giving her something new. This is the medicine Jesus offers those who are sick. Not to address symptoms, but to address the source. Here's the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel talking about what God will do for his people in the future. I will also sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. In Christ, God came to fulfill this prophecy. Jesus came to heal. And spiritual healing is not simply the absence 
of disease, the absence of sinning. Spiritual healing is experiencing new desires and new passions, healing spiritual sickness. It is rejoicing and delighting in what is good and delighting in the one who ultimately heals and redeems and rescues. Maybe you're with us this morning and you're realizing how you are sick or you're listening to this message sometime in the future. You've been trying to treat the symptoms of sin, but but you've been failing. And you're coming to realize, I'm not the cure. I can't heal myself. Maybe now is the time to surrender to the one who ultimately invites those who are sick to heal. Now let me turn my attention from there to, to brothers and sisters in Christ. As you consider this practice of missionary medicine, your your understanding of what cures those who struggle with sin matters. Do you see them as desperately sick, as though they are perishing and in need of rescue and in need of a new heart? Or do you see them as fundamentally healthy? Maybe they're a little sick. Simply, uh, uh, they have a symptom that needs to be addressed. They, They can heal themselves if they would just do the right things, eat the right things, exercise, sleep, do the right spiritual practices, if they would just stop doing X behavior, then they would experience health like you. When you believe people can heal themselves, when you believe that you healed yourself, when you believe that people are fundamentally healthy or just a little sick, it will rob you of compassion. And you will point to the wrong cure. Those who practice missionary medicine know ultimate healing only comes through Jesus Christ. This is so important for for those who who practice missionary medicine. Because people who help those who are sick, they can get kind of a big ego. They can see themselves as superhuman. They can think of themselves as better than others. In the movie Patch Adams, as students are being oriented to their first year of medical school, there is this character, Dean Walcott. He's a a character that's going to create all sorts of tension for Patch. He's addressing the students. It is our mission here to rigorously and ruthlessly train the humanity out of you and make you into something better. We're going to make doctors out of you. I think we sometimes believe Christianity trains the humanity out of us. It makes us into something better than the average person, something superhuman. Those who care for those suffering from spiritual sickness, sickness with sin, they don't reject their humanity. They don't surpass their humanity but they step in to what it means to be healed as a human. In a sense, the best doctors who care for spiritual sickness understand how they are patients themselves. Here's Harold Sinkbile again addressing this disposition. While he is addressing pastors, the application can certainly apply to all those who practice missionary medicine. You and I as pastors are not the healers. Only God himself can heal sin-sick people and provide consolation and comfort 
to war-weary, battle-scarred, and wounded souls. While you and I as pastors, as, as those who practice missionary medicine, can and should express our personal care and concern to suffering souls sympathetically and compassionately, there is only a temporary measure of relief in our concern and compassion. Genuine and lasting healing comes from God, not from us. There's a great freedom in understanding we are not the cure. We are not the Christ. It's not about our presentation of the cure. When people recognize they are diseased and they are distressed, when they understand they are corrupt to the core, they, they need a new heart, they will want this medicine. We can have great confidence in the cure we offer, not in the means and manner in which we practice missionary medicine. So as you consider what cured your sickness, your struggle with sin, is there a sense that I, I did this for me or God did this for me? God healed me. God saved a wretch like me. When you understand Christ is the cure, it will transform the way you relate to sinners, the way you practice missionary medicine. You will want everyone to know the doctor who brings healing. You will want everyone to know how desperate and distressed they are in need of healing. You will want them to understand how Christ is the cure for what ails all of us. Those who practice missionary medicine will invite those who are sick to heal. In doing so, you will get close to non-Christians, regardless of how others may perceive you. You will eat with them. You will be hospitable, and you will invite them into your homes and into your church. You will demonstrate compassion. Rather than treat people according to their disease or, or dysfunction or their labels, you will get to know them as individuals who bear God's image. You will get to know their individual stories of struggle and past hurt. Why? Because you want others to do far more than stop sinning. You want them to experience the healing power of Christ. This is our task as those who, who practice missionary medicine point to the healing power of Christ. Let's pray.